This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. You can't make this stuff up. You really can't. Some days I just look at the news and I say to myself, is it even conceivable? Is it possible that this is a true story? Let me do like a little digging here because I got to believe this is like a fake story. And then, you know, I'll, I'll do a little sleuthing, as they say, and it's true. It's horrifying, but it's true. Um, Jamie Foxx was hospitalized, I guess it was about three weeks ago. He had like some kind of medical complication, uh, a medical emergency, and he's still in the hospital. The 55-year-old actor is said to have needed immediate medical attention after being taken to the hospital while he was in Atlanta filming his upcoming Netflix movie. Um, and now his family is posting requests for prayer. Jamie's close friend, Charles Alston, has taken to Instagram to ask for prayers. He asked everyone to keep Jamie in their thoughts and prayers. We need you back, bro. As I always state, a true champion isn't the one that's, that wins. It's the one that meets and overcomes adversity. Your test becomes your testimony. That's about as vague and incoherent as anything I've ever heard. We can't wait to receive you back home to celebrate. It was touch and go, a source said. Suffered a serious medical episode. Now, uh, you know, he's lucky to be alive. I, I'm just asking, you know, what on earth happened? And we know he has high blood pressure. That came out, Derek told me that three weeks ago on the show. And of course... High blood pressure can cause clots in the brain, which can lead to a stroke. Since I suffer from high blood pressure, the doctors are always scaring me with that stuff. Take your medication, take your medication. So that may very well be what happened, but you would think that they would tell the whole story instead of putting out, you know, ask for prayers. Wow. You know, that's a, that kind of tells me more than then it's it's more than than we originally thought but you know so that's one of the, like the so celebrity kind of stories that I was reading about now of course the other story that's on the front page of every publication amazingly from Europe to here is uh, the Tucker Carlson story and they are definitely right now trying to destroy his any sympathy or any liking that you might have for Tucker Carlson, you are being dispelled of any kind of idea that he might actually be like a nice guy, right? The headline today on the Drudge Report was, Tucker text, it's not how white men fight. Racist rant alarmed Fox executives. 
I have very strong feelings about first and foremost racism and that statement, okay? So I dig, dug a little deeper, right? And apparently in the discovery that was part of the Dominion Voting Systems defamation lawsuit against the company, they discovered a message and it was one of the things that triggered this firing, right? In the message, now, now this is a message that was sent to his producers in the hours after the January 6th protest, okay? And Mr. Carlson described how he had recently watched a video of a group of men, Trump supporters, he said, violently attacking an Antifa kid. Here's the text message which Carlson tend to one of his, sent to one of his producers. Now, we have to believe it's the girl who's suing him, right? That's the producer this has to be. Um, here's the text message. In it, Carlson admitted to having a brief desire to see a group of Donald Trump supporters kill a person, stating, it's not how white men fight. Now, is that racist against white men? or racist against black men, I'm really not sure. He said, a couple of weeks ago, I was watching video of people fighting on the street in Washington. A group of Trump guys surrounded an Antifa kid and started pounding the living, you know what, out of him. It was three against one, at least. Jumping a guy like that is dishonorable, obviously. It's not how white men fight. Yet suddenly I found myself rooting for the mob against the man, hoping they'd hit him harder, kill him. I really wanted them to hurt the kid. I could taste it. Then somewhere deep in my brain, an alarm went off. This isn't good for me. I'm becoming something I don't want to be. The Antifa creep is a human being. Much as I despise what he says and does, much as I'm sure I'd hate him personally if I knew him, I shouldn't gloat over his suffering. I should be bothered by it. I should remember that somewhere somebody probably loves this kid and would be crushed if he was killed. If I don't care about those things, if I reduce people to their politics, how am I better than he is? Now, let me ask you a question. Does that not sound like a thought that's gone through your head at some point? Because it certainly sounds like a thought that's gone through my head. And what I've learned and what Tucker Carlson obviously has now learned is I don't put everything in an email or in a text message anymore because if I wait an hour, I'll realize that that never goes away. You know, emails and text messages... First and foremost, I believe there's somebody sitting in a lofty tower, an ivory tower somewhere, reading all my stuff anyway. You know, because people like me and people like Tucker Carlson, for sure, have been flagged. Any communications that we have, or Donald Trump has, or Eric Trump has, or, or Hunter Biden has, well, maybe not Hunter Biden, he's got a special dispensation, but anybody else in the public eye, they are watching. Everything I read, everything I write, everything I buy, they, they're watching me. I know that. I'm not paranoid. It's just true. So when he put that into a text message or an email to a producer, first and foremost, he forgot the golden rule, which is you don't know if that producer is going to be on your side in case anything comes down. And more importantly, this lasts forever. Even if that producer doesn't use it against you, maybe somebody else will. But I'm still confused as to what is the, the, the racist part? Is it that the implication is that um, white men don't do dishonorable fighting, but black men do dishonorable fighting? Or is it that gang members, you know, from uh, Mexican cartel life do, uh, is it, you know, prejudice against uh, MS-13? I, I just don't know what, 
what part of that was so racist that uh, Fox bailed on Tucker Carlson? Their ratings are in the two in the tank. Okay, they're they're definitely uh, really sorry that they pulled the plug on Tucker. They have to be. I mean, it, fiscally, it was a stupid move. And I and I love the way they said, well, they rebounded after O'Reilly. They rebounded with Tucker. Now, who do you think is going to replace Tucker? I mean, come on. It's not Jesse Waters. It's not Bill Hemmer. It's not Will Kane. None of those people um, have the audacity that either Bill O'Reilly or Tucker Carlson had. I don't know if there's anybody. Will they give the show to Leo Terrell? I really don't, you know, can't think of anybody. So that's not going to happen. Plus, if they're all scared then who are they going to give the show to? I was just listening to Bill Hemmer on with Brian Kilmeade, right? It isn't going to Brian Kilmeade because he tanked in his week of uh, thing. It isn't, you know, probably going to go to any of the ones that are being tried out. They already know who they're going to give that hour to, whether they're going to shuffle Hannity and or Ingram, whatever. They already have a pretty clear idea who they're going to give that to. And nobody that they give it to is going to be able to pull down the audience. It's just not going to happen. Hannity and Ingram are good, but, you know, they're just not. They're just not that controversial. And it's the controversial nature of Tucker Carlson that made him the hit he was. People are tired of the same old pablum. We don't want to see another 342 interviews with the same 342 politicians. We just don't. You know, we'd rather see the chicken lady, I guess, because that's why Tucker was, uh, you know, numero uno. So I was listening to Bill Hammer on with Brian Kilmeade, and I'm thinking, you know, the safest bet they have, much like when, uh, when they replaced uh, Chris Wallace, they picked Shannon Bream because Shannon Bream is very bright, very knowledgeable, a lawyer, has a lot of uh, connections, uh, been on the air, has a great voice, all that other stuff, but she's also milk toast for the most part, right? You know, nobody hates her. She would never do anything you know, like send a text message to somebody saying that's not how white people fight. I don't know. I just can't see that coming out of Shannon Bream. The other person I can't see it ever coming out of is Bill Hemmer. So don't be surprised if they don't go with like Bill Hemmer because Bill Hemmer still has a huge following and he's been shifted around from, you know, one show to another to with a partner, without a partner, Dana Perino, you know, they just, he's so adaptable. And he's nice looking, you know, why not? Why not a Bill Hemmer? I'll tell you why not. Well, no, I'll tell you that they probably will go in that direction, but I'll tell you it will not be a hit. I'm sorry. I like Bill Hemmer at the uh, election board or whatever it is that he stands in front of the red board with all the election things on election night. I like him right there. He's great right there. Middays, fine. But eight o'clock at night, you need somebody who's going to light a, a fire. Somebody who's willing to throw gasoline on Washington. Bill O'Reilly did that. Tucker Carlson did that. You know, if they thought Bill O'Reilly was hard to control, turned out Tucker was way more difficult to control. So I saw all these offers, right, that are being sent his way. You know, would that I ever had offers like this. You know, if even just in a, I don't even dream about offers like this because they're so out there. Tucker Carlson was offered $100 million over five years from a guy named Patrick Bet David, who's the CEO of an online content company called Valuetainment. Now, everybody in my listening audience, we're all pretty, 
I don't know, we're p pretty savvy. We spend a lot of time on the uh, internet. We know what we're talking about, blah, blah, blah. Anybody out there ever heard of valuetainment? Because I never did. And yet they have a $100 million deal to offer Tucker Carlson. And, and listen to what they said. I mean, this is not just like a cavalier deal. If they can back it up, he said, Dear Tucker, I'll get right to the point. And they posted this publicly on their website. We want you to partner with us in what we feel is a noble and necessary effort to define the future of media. David, who also hosts the Valuetainment's Brands podcast, which I never heard, wrote in the opening of the letter of intent posted on Twitter on May 2nd. The letter outlines David's offer to Carlson, $100 million over five years, an equity stake in Valuetainment, a position as the president of Valuetainment, a board seat, and other content Carlson may be interested in covering. What else? We're all ears, David wrote. Our convictions about freedom, liberty, and truth run deep, and we believe we are the absolute right fit for you and America. With a motto of to enlighten, entertain, and empower, Valuetainment currently publishes its content, including podcasts and interviews, on YouTube and other social media platforms. Its YouTube channel has over 4 million subscribers, and its social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, have a following of over 10 million. That's even more than Tucker was pulling on television. The brand's podcast, PBD Podcast, ranks 12th on Spotify in the platform's business category as of yesterday. They've hosted... Uh, Kobe Bryant before he passed, clinical psychologist Jordan Peterson, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Alan Dershowitz, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, Robert Kiyosaki. The company's most watched YouTube video featured an interview with a mafia boss had over 18 million views. I'm just saying. This guy, David, is a refugee who fled from Iran to America at the age of 12. And he was on uh, Megyn Kelly's talk show. And he said Carlson should work with him because he has the vision in place, the cause in place, and is a true believer on how great a country America is that it's worth fighting for. And he sees Carlson as someone who truly believes in a cause. Wow. There are very few people left in America at that level. But Tucker Carlson turns out to be one. So no matter how many nasty headlines you see on Mediaite, on uh, the Drudge Report, or any of these other websites, take it with a grain of salt. Keep your eyes on the prize. And the prize is Tucker Carlson's going to have a voice, and it's going to be bigger than it was at Fox. And Fox is going to pay a very, very, very uh, large price for what they did. By the way, MSNBC and CNN are up in ratings, Fox is down, and apparently they beat Fox in a number of categories last week. Can't make this stuff up. All right, don't forget to get our app, the 850WFTL app on your phone or your computer, or visit our website, 850WFTL.com. You get rewarded when you listen on the app, 
And you could enter a contest on either the app or at the website to win a $50 DoorDash gift card so you can get saucy with delicious fried chicken tenders from Tender Shack. Enter today. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So everybody is a nervous wreck about artificial intelligence. And it just, the news just keeps getting worse and worse. The AI godfather, a man by the name of Jeffrey Hinton, just quit Google yesterday, I believe, and he was on the BBC, British Broadcasting, and he, he's, he's warning everybody about the growing dangers from developments in the field. He announced his resignation from Google in a statement to the New York Times saying he now regretted his work. He said some of the dangers of the AI chatbots were quite scary. Right now, they're not more intelligent than us, as far as I can tell, but I think they may soon be. Uh, what do you mean you think they may soon be? Weren't we told, and somebody help me out here, because all the geniuses like Elon Musk and Dr. Hinton and, and the rest are now telling me we have a real problem. I just heard on the Brian show before mine that, uh, you know, more has happened in the last five days to make them scared. And I'm thinking five days? That's pretty quick, huh? Dr. Hinton's pioneering research on neural networks and deep learning has paved the way for current AI systems like chat GPT. In artificial intelligence, Neural networks are systems that are similar to the human brain in the way they learn and process information. They enable AIs to learn from experience as a person would. This is called deep learning. The British-Canadian cognitive psychologist and computer scientist told the BBC that chatbots could soon overtake the level of information that a human brain holds. Right now, what we're seeing is things like GPT-4 eclipses a person in the amount of general knowledge it has, and it eclipses them by a long way. In terms of reasoning, it's not as good, but it does already do simple when you try to talk about artificial intelligence my entire show went sideways and we weren't able to get out on the air so maybe I won't be talking about that anymore instead I'm going to be talking with representative Juan Fernandez Barquin about homestead properties taxable value as well as some of the other legislation that's taking place in Tallahassee uh, good afternoon sir first time I'm speaking with you how are you I'm good, Joyce. Thank you so much for the invitation. I, I really appreciate it. 
Well, um, you're ta you guys are doing some pretty important work this legislative se session, and I've been, you know, talking to Blaze and Goli about the insurance problems and and all of these, uh, you know, property tax problems. So he said you're the expert. Now help me out here. What's going on? Yeah. So in, in regards to the property tax, I filed a bill that would reduce the cap. So currently, if you're the primary uh, residence, if, if you're the primary uh, homeowner. Right. If it's your homestead, um, year over year increases capped at three percent. I filed a bill to reduce it to two percent, which would then go uh, eventually to to the general electorate for their approval because it would be a constitutional amendment. Um, unfortunately, it ran out of gas um, and wasn't able to make it to the second committee, um, but it did get through the first committee. And, and I got a lot of pushback from local municipalities saying that it was going to uh, affect their budget. Okay. Um, but hopefully this could gain traction next session. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about their budgets as the constituents' budgets. How about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something that I think that there's a huge disconnect. The, 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 the basis for this bill was I just personally feel that there is a huge disconnect between the services provided by local governments mm -hmm. um, and the amount that's collected by taxable revenue. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that through COVID-19, a bunch of local municipalities got a ton of money. I mean, billions of dollars was split up among municipalities. And not just that, but obviously, like, the, the, the increase, the record prices of homes right now in the state of Florida, um, because of all, all different reasons, you know, a, a lot of individuals moving to Florida, um, a lot of demand, you know, and the increase in prices there. So, I mean... These, as far as I'm concerned, these municipalities are flush with cash. It's just that they, they just don't know how to how to how to manage it, right? <laughs> you know. So anytime that uh, that you go to to reach for their honeypot, I mean, they they, they freak out, and yeah. uh, and we should be reaching for the honeypot uh, every session and keeping yeah, a close I, eye on them. That's right. On behalf of the constituents that you serve, you don't serve the municipal governments, you serve the people who live in those municipalities. But I think not yes. many representatives remember that when they get up there. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And luckily, two, two years, every two years, I'm up for election, for re-election as a state representative. And I, I love to knock on doors. I love to talk to people and, and hear what my constituents have to say. And it is every, every year, it is the same, in, at least in my neck of the woods in, in West Miami-Dade County. It's homeowners associations, property taxes, and, and homeowners insurance. Those are the three things that I always hear at the door. And it's something that, uh, that we, we need to listen to them as lawmakers, and, and we have. I mean, this session, we, we, we passed uh, uh, a lot of great legislation, and uh, during the special session, we passed this, uh, the, the massive, massive um, homeowners insurance reform package. So, I mean, it's something that, that we just got to keep chopping away at this. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I get a lot of emails, a lot of text messages from people who are very concerned, you know, after the collapse of the building in, on on the beach in Miami-Dade, um, a lot of us living in condos that are 30, 40 years old uh, got hit with incredible amounts of assessments and fees, and we know a lot of these buildings are going to require massive amounts of repair. And then we turn to the insurance companies and they tell us, well, you know, <laughs> we can't help you, but we are going to raise your property insurance uh, like twofold. And, and a lot of people on fixed incomes, as you well know, in South Florida, and they're panicking. I get these calls all the time. I'm sure you do, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Joyce. Absolutely. And that's a question of accountability. 
you know, and, and that's really, the, the, we need, you know, and, and it's, even though I'm a Republican and I'm very cautious about regulation, the homeowners insurance industry, in my opinion, needs to be heavily regulated mm-hmm. to make sure that these people are doing the right thing and that the premiums that are being paid are not being siphoned off out of state or to other shell companies and that it, it is, in fact, being kept within these companies. Um, because I've heard it from both sides, from, mm-hmm. from trial lawyers who claim that, that these individuals, that these uh, uh, private companies, manage to ship their funds uh, among their shell companies and their mediation companies and all these different ways. And then I, I hear from the insurance company saying, oh, woe is us. We have all these claims, you know, but I think it's really a, an increase in regulation to keep an eye on, on the bad actors here and make sure that those individuals, those, those corporations that are in fact providing insurance, property insurance to the condominiums are doing the right thing and that they're not going to they're not going to steal the money, basically, and, and, and be thieves about it and shortchange uh, the policyholders. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm glad somebody's watching out for the constituents. Uh, you know, I, I'm always fearful that in any given election, we could lose the few champions that are up there, and then then we know what happens when Democrats control the legislature. But I won't get, I won't get too political with you yet. Don't know you that well. But I do have okay. to ask you about this other bill. Um, that was kind of inspired um, by something that, you know, really is relevant in Miami-Dade regarding policing and and sheriffs' jurisdictions. Could you explain what that bill was really about? Yeah, so the the situation in Miami-Dade County, for those of of your listeners who are not aware of the situation, is that the top sheriff currently is a county mayor, Mm -hmm. okay? All sixty, all all other six, all the other sixty-six counties in the state of Florida, because there's sixty-seven in total, mm-hmm. have an elected sheriff. Okay, right. in 2018, Amendment 10 was passed by the general electorate, by the voters. Okay, asking, uh, basically stating, and the voters approved this, that five constitutional officers, one of which is a sheriff, uh, must be elected by the county. And what this bill did is basically just confirm what the duties of the sheriff of the sheriff's office is, which mm-hmm. is to patrol and provide police services to the unincorporated parts of the county um, and also provide concurrent jurisdiction with the incorporated parts of the county. And it sounds pretty ridiculous that we would pass a law that says this because, I mean, common sense would, would, would you would get to that assumption mm-hmm. through common sense, right? right. But, but the issue in Miami-Dade County was that, unfortunately, the, the Board of County Commissioners wanted to try and create a, a fake sheriff's office in order to satisfy uh, Amendment 10. And, and I mean, in response to that, I was deeply concerned about that because I think, I think my residents stand, stand to, to gain a lot um, from a public safety perspective by having a duly elected sheriff that is directly responsible to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that was basically the impetus for that bill and uh, – and I expect that uh, that the governor will sign it, and and it, that bill also helps municipal police departments make sure that municipalities do not defund um, the the police. And if they do defund them, then there's a mechanism for the the police chief to be able to appeal it to a administrative law judge mm-hmm. for the administrative law judge to uh, to to see if it was a reasonable reduction or not, and sets up a, a, a several guardrails there. To make sure that public safety is is uh, is respected and and is of utmost importance for the municipality. It's odd that it's Miami Dade, and I'll tell you why I say that. Because Miami Dade is home to a lot of people 
who came here fleeing uh, authorities in their home countries, whether it was Cuba or Venezuela or any of these yep. other places. So there is a healthy fear in Miami-Dade of government run amok. And so, yep. you know, I don't think there's that, you know, I, I don't think you're going to have any pushback from the constituents in, in that county. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Right. No, I, I mean, generally, generally the, the response, I've had a very, very, very positive response from yeah. constituents once I explained to them that this is a, a, a balanced this is an issue of checks and balances, mm-hmm. right, and making sure that there isn't too much of a concentration of power. Mm-hmm. And the, the more they think about it, the, the more supportive of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this was largely largely approved. Of, I mean, I would say largely a bipartisan uh, bill. I mean, I think I only had three three uh, three individuals vote against it. Wow. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, this is basically an issue of checks and balances. It's not simple. Um, right. And and this makes the sheriff directly responsible to the electorate, to the voters, and the voters are the ones who decide whether or not he's doing a good job. And it's as simple as that. Yeah. Let me ask you another question, and you you know you can be as circumspect as you want in answering this question. But I'm getting a tremendous amount of pushback on this bill that would allow the governor to retain office while he runs for another office, any governor. But obviously. This bill feels so personal, like it was designed and crafted to protect Governor DeSantis if he decides to enter the race for the presidency. Are you hearing, uh, you know, any of that up in Tallahassee, or is everybody still gung ho? You, you mean in reference to the resign to run law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah th- so this listen, feels very, very in personal. My, in my opinion, and, and many of the individuals in in in, in my party feel that that that. That law should have never been passed to begin with. That law is a relic from Charlie Crist's administration, um, and it should have been it should have never been passed to begin with. Um, and we're only one of four or perhaps five states that even have something that resembles this 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 law. So I mean, I think it's I think it's completely fine uh, what we did, and I don't have an issue with it, and and I'm completely supportive of it. And and if it was up to me, I mean. I, I, I think it didn't go far enough. I think it should be completely, completely repealed, um, mm. and let the voters decide. Right. I mean, but you understand this. The concern of the constituents is that um, anybody who takes on a national election, particularly a presidential election, is going to be kept very busy running around the country, running around the world, as we yes. just saw. And the state of Florida is in pretty good shape. And many of us attribute that to the fact that it's got a legislature that works hand in hand with a governor who's a great administrator. So, you know, our fear is in an effort to kind of redesign this law right at this moment, we could have a part time governor, which we're not interested in. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand the concern. And, and I could tell you as someone who, who is involved in this mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And and what I like to tell my parents is that as a result of being involved in this process, I, I can see the wizard behind behind the uh, the screen, okay. and I can tell you that that I, I'm I'm not concerned. I've heard that concern, mm-hmm. but but I think uh, I think we will be fine in the long run. Um, the institution will be fine, and and I think uh, I think we we will everything will will work out just just perfectly. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I look forward to speaking to you often in uh, in the future. Thanks a lot. Likewise. Thank you so much. Thank All you. Right. Have a great day. You too.
All right, he was, a, that's interesting. I like to have a Miami-Dade guy every now and again because they have a very different perspective of what's going on. So let me explain what happened because I went right into that segment without explaining it. But I'm getting all of these emails. They're classic. I mean, I got one that says, was that supposed to be funny because it scared the crap out of me? Do you know that when you were talking about AI, your sound went wacky like a robot was talking? <clears throat> Now, you have to understand, I did not know what was going on. And when you heard Sharina, as I heard Sharina in my headset say, we need to go to a break, or I don't know if you heard her, but I heard her in my headset saying, we need to go to a break right now, I, my, my stomach did like somersaults because I was talking about AI. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I had just finished not only talking about AI, but I had said that I believe that I'm being monitored and tracked and watched. And I know that Tucker Carlson was being monitored and tracked and watched, not because we're so important, but because they have the ability to do that. And when you go against the grain, they'll do it. And so, you know, it, it, when I heard Sharina's voice, of course, I got that feeling in the pit of my stomach, but my immediate response was, well, let's fix it. You know, it's got to be r resolvable. Um, and so, of course, the tech guy comes running in and we do all this, uh, you know, machinations, turn this off, uh, reboot this. And, you know, we're, we're trying desperately to get me back on the air without sounding like a robot. And uh, we finally were able to do that. But I have to tell you, is it paranoia if, if like the godfather of AI is saying that AI has got a mind of its own and can do whatever it wants? Or am I just being cautious? I don't know. But it really, you know, it just goes to show you that often when I say something and people, you know, say, oh, you're overreacting or that's not, you know, going to happen. Who knows if that's going to happen? It might not happen today, but it might happen, according to people on the, uh, I guess it was Bill Hemmer, in five days, that my broadcast could be interrupted because some sort of artificial intelligence takes over my computer or, or takes over the internet or whoever or whatever. So don't be scared. It really was a technical glitch and it didn't have anything to do with AI. And I do not sound like a robot in real life. Now I scared everybody again. Anyway, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock is Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro, the WPTV local news at 6 o'clock. But I have another segment left, and I will be right back. Stay right where you are. Even I get scared. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of you, but I just don't know enough to be confident that they will get this straightened out before you know these artificial intelligence machines become way too powerful. But I, I saw this article last night, and it was the last thing I read before I turned off all the you know information network. And it was on my friend uh, Kevin Jackson's website, which is called The Black Sphere. And you know, apparently there are people in the world who are not happy that they have healthy bodies and sound minds, really. These people identify themselves as handicapped or disabled, and now they have a nice little label to go along with it. They are transabled. I mean, when is this going to stop? According to the experts, transableism has been around. It's just a new term 
for BIID, which is Body Integrity Identity Disorder, which is a shoot-off of body dysmorphia. Now, of course, body dysmorphia is the underlying issue among transgendered people as well. So the point of changing the identifier from a psychiatric condition to an advocacy term is to harness the cultural power of gender ideology. People actually amputate healthy limbs, snip their spinal cords, or destroy their eyesight, according to Evolution News and Science Today, which reports on and analyzes all of these uh, science-related issues. So culturally, transableism is the next abyss because these people are mutilating themselves. They ask surgeons to amputate a, a leg or to, to transection their spinal cord. The National Institute of Health notes on its website, those with BIID desire the amputation of one or more healthy limbs or desire a paralysis. Now, you know, all the time I get told, follow the science, follow the science. But here again, the science isn't meshing well with these fads. What doctor in good conscience would cut off somebody's perfectly good leg? I mean, it seems delusional, bizarre. Crazy is what it seems. So ask people about this. And much to my chagrin, when I asked a young person about this, they said, oh, yeah, I know all about that. I said, what do you mean you know all about that? Oh, yeah, it's on TikTok all the time. There's a video that's on TikTok about a guy who put bleach in his eyes so he could be blind. And, and there's articles all over the place. A North Carolina college student called transableism a cry for attention. I mean, how insulting to people who actually have physical infirmities and disabilities unbelievable but this is where we're going there's not you know that's why i say to you you just open up the internet and you start to read these articles and you want to like you know your hair hurts it's so painful to think about this but it's really happening all right my plan in uh, in spite of ai is to be back here tomorrow at noon if it be his will and he delays his coming remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us so wherever you are just be yourself everybody else is taken and what isn't taken ai is going to take uh god bless you and god bless the united states of america the Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.